If you like dogs, Kate O'Callaghan has a great trick for teaching them how to sit. She slowly lifts a doggy biscuit just up over its head with the dog eagerly following it. And just as it's going over its head, he slowly lowers his legs and sits. I'm here with Kate in an animal shelter run by Japan Cat Network, here in the small town of Inawashiro in the Fukushima prefecture. The white puppy that Kate's playing with is called Frankie, and he's just one of five puppies who was recently rescued from a local farmer unable to look after them anymore. The Fukushima and the Tohoku prefectures are still recovering from Japan's worst natural disaster. And while this is my first visit to the region, it's actually Kate's fifth. So which do you prefer, Kate? Cats or dogs? I'm bipedal. <laughs> Over the last year, Kate has been working with welfare groups like Japan Cat Network to help pet owners who now face an uncertain future for both themselves and their pets. I went up to help. That was my contribution to helping people to help their pets. They're an important part of my life, so I presume that they're an important part of other people's lives too. I think they like your boots. <laughs> According to the animal welfare group ARC, there are over 2,000 evacuation centres in the Fukushima prefecture alone. And amazingly, none of those accommodate people with pets. For those lucky enough to be offered temporary housing, the houses are small and cramped with not much room for a cat or a dog, especially a noisy one. Pet owners affected by March the 11th are now burdened with just one more painful problem. What to do with their four-legged friend? It's a problem that Kate O'Callaghan is trying to help them solve. This is, I think, different than the regular animal rescue because a lot of owners are asking us to, can you please take care of my pet for this reason, that is, I've lost everything. Right, Kate, we are, uh, <laughs> we're far away from Okinawa. Uh, how cold do you think it is outside? I saw a sign when we were driving today, minus two. Minus two, okay. It doesn't get that low in Okinawa. <laughs> Kate is originally from Dublin, but she's been living here in Japan for the last 11 years, most recently on the tropical island of Okinawa in the south of Japan. She lives there with her partner, her two dogs, three cats, and she also teaches English at a local university and also volunteers in animal rescue on the island. Yeah, and you've got a, a cat in your lap and just as we're starting recording, a cat has crawled into my lap. So. Yeah. This guy was rescued from a... On March the 11th, 2011, Kate was actually back home in Ireland, visiting family and friends when the news of the quake first broke. 8.9 magnitude. Now we know that's a big number. It was the fifth largest... Like everybody else, I just couldn't believe it. I live there. This is like, I, I could know people who know people there. And it just, my heart was in my mouth. The hair was standing on the back of my head. I... Oh, it was a horrible, horrible feeling watching it unfold. Shockwaves that gave birth to a massive tsunami that started... Her first trip to the affected areas took place only two weeks after the earthquake and tsunami struck. And while the rest of the world was being advised against travelling to the area, Kate booked herself on a flight to Tokyo with over 200 pounds of animal supplies that had been donated to her. 
all I needed for myself was to be able to to make sure those supplies were there and that anybody who needed them would have them for their pets. After arriving in Tokyo, Kate drove straight into the heart of some of the worst affected areas. A lot of the bigger aid organisations go directly for the people and that's fine, um, as well they should. But I know that there's nothing in place for animals, so that's what drew me to that area right at the start. When you look at those images, uh, massive waves just uh, coming... March the 11th was probably one of the most graphic natural disasters ever captured on TV. The destruction was at such a huge scale that sometimes it was almost difficult to believe what you were seeing. The challenges facing volunteers like Kate were incredible. In areas that were not evacuated but were devastated, were decimated, a lot of the animals in those areas were literally washed away by the tsunami. So we didn't find many wandering among, along the streets, but some were found on debris floating. I think that story probably went international about the dog floating on the debris two weeks later out at sea. Uh, I think the dog's name was Bam. Helicopter crews were searching the waters off the Miyagi prefecture for those still missing from the disaster when they sighted Bam drifting on the roof of a destroyed house. There were some animals found under the rubble a couple of days later. Then, as I mentioned earlier, owner turn-ins. That means that the owners say, please, can you take my animal? For example, last week I went to pick up two cats in Rikuzen Takata, which was one of the areas that was really leveled with the tsunami. And the woman lost her husband and her son in the tsunami. And she is in hospital now. And her cats had been living for a week alone in the temporary housing. So they asked somebody to get in touch with us. And they're in next door now in the quarantine. While Kate herself works directly in an area that was devastated by earthquake and tsunami, those working here in Fukushima now face an even greater challenge. Part of the group went to the Fukushima area, and you might know that there's a 20-kilometre zone that was that people were not allowed into, uh, were told not to take their pets, so they left their pets. In that area, there were a lot of abandoned pets, pets running around the place, pets with collars, and you knew there were no people there, they would pick up, leave notices on the houses and in the areas where they were found. The rest of the group would also find posters on houses with dogs tied up outside, please take my dog or please leave my dog. I had more dealings with dogs um, than picking up cats. Are you angry? In order to understand a little bit more about what animal rescue involves here in Fukushima, I'm accompanying Susan Roberts from Japan Cat Network on one of their regular animal runs. Are we moving these out? So where are we going today? We are going to Namie, which is part of in, part of Namie is in the 20 kilometer zone, and part is in the 30 kilometer zone, and then part is even outside the 30 kilometer zone. Namie so is which, huge. Which part are we going to? We are going to the part in the 30 kilometer zone to feed, and we're going to the part outside the 30 kilometer zone to reacclimate cats to a new location that we are going to release them into. Okay, so we're going to a place that maybe hasn't seen any humans in over a year? Very few humans. Uh, so some people who have passes because they live there, or used to live there rather, can enter. People like us can enter. Otherwise, house, very few people. Yeah, he's got a house. I'm sorry, I saw this dog. I've been looking for a brown dog here. He just oh, there's two dogs there? Yeah, there's two here. Is it safe to go to them? 
The first stop we make is just on the evacuated outskirts of the 30-kilometer exclusion zone, where we check in on two dogs. If you do an animal rescue, sometimes animals don't want to be rescued. I've got two dogs here. One, obviously, not too happy to see us. We've got another guy who's just kind of hiding in a kennel, growling at us from a distance. And they probably haven't seen humans for quite a long time. It's just raining and it's wet and it's miserable and it's a very depressing scene because this is the reality of pets that are left behind. In the confusion which followed the evacuations in this particular area, many owners were initially told not to bring their pets with them, that they could return later for them. As the radiation threat escalated, there was no chance of anyone returning here to live for a long time. When you're doing rescues, I suppose those rescues really reveal another level of the tragedy after March the 11th, because it's then, I suppose, that you really start to hear people's, you know, the personal stories. Yeah, they've nowhere to start from, really. It's just really starting back at square one, except they're starting back at square zero. It's like literally the clothes that you have on your back land you in another place, start all over, go. Because their records have been wiped out, their possessions are gone, their jobs, place of work is gone. It's just unfathomable. This first encounter with these dogs, while a little unnerving, is absolutely nothing compared to Kate's very first trip. We were in a car park of an evacuation zone, and the evacuation zone was on higher ground, so it was safe. So if we walked around the evacuation zone, we still couldn't see what we had an inkling of the night before. I knew what I was going to see, but I didn't want to see it, but I knew it was just a moment. So I went and I saw, and, you know, you use the Lord's name in vain several times, and uh, it's it's just unbelievable. And that's such a weak word for, for what you saw, for what I saw, for what everybody saw, for what they went through. Because even when I got home, I was like, was it awful? Yes, it was awful. Oh, okay, and, and, and what was it like? They've n- nothing that they can reference it to, or it's, so, it's just so hard to describe. Having arrived at the evacuation centre, Kate was then faced with the challenge of distributing the aid to those who needed it the most. However, finding such people proved to be an even bigger challenge. We were looking for evacuation centres and seeing if they needed supplies. And we went into one and we said, do you need any pet supplies? And he said, no, 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 we're fine, we're fine, we're fine. And when we were um, in the car park, we were reorganising the pet food and stuff. And a woman came up with her dog and we said, oh, do you, are you okay for dog food? Do you need anything? And she instantaneously burst into tears and we were, oh, well, well, what have we said? Um, sometimes our Japanese wasn't the best and um, anyway we thought we'd said something to upset her and she, when she calmed down she said, for the last two weeks I've been feeding my dog scraps from the rations that we've been getting. So she was just overwhelmed that we were giving her bags of dog food. You know, we were about four or five volunteers at the time <laughs> we were all in floods of tears. For pet owners, 
who are now living in evacuation centres and temporary housing, it must be incredibly tough to remain positive. However, as Kate found out, even in the face of such darkness, pets can still offer some hope, even in the most unlikely of places. Um, it was probably my third or fourth day, and we had the van to restock and reorganise. The reason why we had to reorganise with the van was because it had been out the day before to on a request from an owner, uh, could you pick up my two dogs, please? Like, yes, Grant, no problem. But on the way there... They found a dog just meandering in the road, looking very weak, and he really didn't look like he'd survive another day. So this fella, they're like, okay, well, look, he's in a weakened state. He's not going to be too much hassle. We'll put him in the back of the van. They put him in a, a van that is stocked to the brim with dog food and dog treats and cat food and cat treats. So literally this dog thinks he's died and gone to heaven. <laughs> he just went ballistic in there. He bit every single thing that was in there. So my job the next day was to tidy the van. He had bitten, you know, 10 kilo bags of dog food, not just one, all of them. So there's 17 bags of dog food. He has his teeth marks in. They're mine, they're mine, they're mine, they're mine, they're mine. Cans, pouches, toys, everything. He tested everything to see whether it was food. So this this guy, he had a blast in there. So even in a uh, you know, completely deteriorated state, dogs can still be dogs. You yep, know. they certainly <laughs> can. <laughs> Hello? It's the last trip of the night into the exclusion zone with Japan Cat Network and Susan. Walking up a pitch black road past an empty house, I can just make out a frightened little dog called Chibita. Chibita has been left out here on his own for the last year after his owners were forced to evacuate. The owners don't want to give up the dog, but they can't take him with them as well to where they live. So poor Chibita is forced to stay out here on his own, waiting for his family, who likely never return. I think, you know, people ask me about the, the like the worst things that I've seen or the most heartbreaking things that I've seen. And um, it really, when it comes down to it, it it's not the animals. But um, it's the people that have had to be separated from their pets. People belong with their pets. Their pets belong with people. I think if you're a pet owner, you kind of lose yourself in your pet. And a lot of the people that we've met there are very concerned about the well-being of their pet. And I think if I or we can give them one tiny little peace of mind about one element of their life, then I think that's... A step along the road to recovery for them. I mean, obviously it's not going to bring back loved ones or get their house back or get the insurance pay or all the, the horrible stuff that has come out of this, but it's going to give them some sense of calm that one element of their life is taken care of and is okay. Okay.